Well, hey friends, welcome to one of my favorite days of the year. We call it Vision Sunday, the day we set our sights on what God might have in store for us this year. Now, vision can be defined as a clear and compelling picture of a preferable future. I think we'd all agree if ever we needed to set our sights on a preferable future, it's in September of 2020. We find ourselves six months into what some people are calling a great disruption. Now, actually, I'm not sure anyone is actually calling it that, but I'm calling it that, and I think it works. A great disruption. The coronavirus pandemic has turned every aspect of life and society inside out and upside down. Healthcare, childcare, employment, education, entertainment, sports, travel, church, work, weddings, funerals, graduations. The only thing that hasn't been disrupted in 2020 is your Netflix account. And on top of this pandemic, we have this racial unrest, this political divisiveness that is not only disrupting cities across our nation, but disrupting households and churches and friendship circles. It sometimes feels like, feels like we're caught in this downward spiral of anxiety and stress and isolation and uncertainty. Now, hopefully, you've had a chance to take a bit of a break this summer. Maybe to visit some beautiful places like this beach on the North Shore or to spend time with some people that you love. But now, September is on us and nothing feels the way it used to feel. Kids are wearing masks to school if they're going to school at all. We're wearing shorts and sandals to work, assuming we're still working at home. We're experiencing Vision Sunday on our couches instead of our campuses. And this afternoon, we're gonna be watching Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform. Nothing feels the way it used to feel. All our familiar patterns and practices, all the, all the boxes that we typically live in have been disrupted. Or in the words of one working mom with kids at home, the box isn't just tipped over, it's on fire and there's no going back. So if ever we needed a vision of a preferable future, it's in September of 2020. If ever we needed someone who could show us a way through all this uncertainty and fear, now's the time. So that's why we are turning our attention to Jesus this year. Jesus, who busted out of every box the world tried to put him in. From the moment he chose to enter this world and be born in a barn instead of a palace, to the moment he blew the doors off a tomb and stepped out into the sunshine alive. Jesus not only refused to be contained in anyone's box, he continually busted other people out of the boxes they were stuck in as well. Lifelong paralytics who jumped to their feet and danced in the street. Miserly tax collectors who became freewheeling philanthropists 
wounded and exploited women who became partners in ministry, and a bunch of small town fishermen who changed the course of human history. If Jesus could lead them out of their boxes, he can do the same for us as well. So we're going to spend our entire ministry year this year focused on, on Jesus. We're going to be following Jesus all the way through the book of Luke and Acts. Those two books are written by the same author and they're meant to be read in tandem. As we work our way through these books, we're going to discover a pathway that leads us to that preferable future. We're calling it the Way of Jesus. And we're going to begin with a five-phase journey that leads us from disruption to discovery. In fact, we're going to picture it as an upward spiral. Not, not a downward spiral like the one we feel like we're in now sometimes. Not like that little death spiral that shows up on your computer sometimes. But an upward spiral that leads us to new and better things. A spiral inspired by Jesus. I'm calling it the upward spiral of spiritual reformation. Now I know that's a mouthful, but I happen to believe that the Lord wants to use this year to reform our hearts, our homes, our church, and maybe even our nation. So I'm going to give you an overview of this five-phase journey here today, and we'll spend the next five weeks kind of unpacking it bit by bit as we meet people who follow Jesus out of their boxes into new and better ways of living. We're going to begin with one of my favorite stories in the Gospel of Luke. It's the calling of Simon Peter. It's found in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And this first phase of the journey, this first movement, I'm going to call disruption. And we read about it in verses 1 through 3. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So here's Peter doing what he's been doing for his whole life and probably what his father and his father's father had been doing for their whole lives, fishing the Sea of Galilee, or as it's called here, the Lake of Gennesaret. He may have been in a spot something like this, finishing his work day the way he finished every work day, cleaning the nets. Now, it hadn't been a good day at work. They'd caught absolutely nothing. So Peter's probably not in a real good mood when suddenly he is interrupted by this rabbi who's disrupting his workflow and asking to borrow his boat. Now, chances are Peter has, has heard Jesus preach a time or two, probably even spent some time with him. But what's Jesus doing out here on a job site? Shouldn't he be back in a synagogue doing whatever it is rabbis do in synagogues? So you see, Jesus is already breaking out of boxes, 
breaking out of the religious box of the day. He, he's crossed this barrier that often exists between the secular world and the, and the religious world. Most people like to, like to keep their religion in a, in a box, in a compartment, so it doesn't interfere with the rest of their lives. Religion is fine for, for Sundays and holidays and weddings and funerals, but, but what's faith got to do with work? Could it be that Jesus is intentionally messing with some of those categories? Turning secular places into sacred spaces? Now I know we all miss being in the house, in church, for, for worship these past six months. But one of the advantages of doing church online like this is that we can come to you from all kinds of places. So far these past months, we have, we have done church in, in living rooms and kitchens. We've done it from parking lots and woodlands, from, from an office building, from a college campus, the banks of a river, and now a beach on the North Shore. There's something disruptive about that. It messes with our categories of sacred and secular. But anyway, that's just the beginning of the disruption. Let's keep reading here. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Well, now Jesus has crossed a line. I mean, what does a rabbi know about fishing? Peter's going to look like a fool out there on the water in, in, in the morning casting his net. It's bad enough he came back empty-handed. Now he has to go back there, out there again in front of everybody when he should be heading home for a, for a meal and a nap. But notice what Peter does here in verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Peter embraces the disruption. After some initial resistance and letting Jesus know he's not all that excited about this, he decides to throw out the nets anyway, to give it a chance. You see, as uncomfortable, as inconvenient as disruptions can be, they set us up for, for fresh encounters with God. They, they get our attention, don't they? They interrupt our familiar routines. They make us think about things in a new way, from a new perspective, to be open to some new possibilities. Could it be that the Lord wants to use this great disruption of 2020 to get our attention? to stop us in our tracks and take a fresh look at our lives, at our homes and our hearts, at, at the work of the church, at, at what it means to be the church, at a fresh look at injustices in our society, a fresh look at what it means to be a citizen in the world today. I'm not saying that, that God sent this disruption. I think it's way too complicated for that. But I am suggesting that he wants to meet us in this disruption. 
that there are things to be learned, things to be changed. And we'll talk more about it next week. But notice here that after some initial resistance, Peter embraces the disruption. He leans into it to see what might come of it. I wonder what might happen if we do the same this year. Well, the next movement in this upward spiral involves a divine encounter. And if you figured out by now that every one of these five phases involves the letter D, then you've probably been listening to too many sermons. But hey, it works, so we're going to go with it. Let's keep reading. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled their boat so full that they began to sink. Now this is a miracle. There's just no other way to describe it. I mean, these guys are experienced fishermen. They've been out on this same lake all night long and caught nothing. And now, at the worst time of the day, with one cast, they catch so many fish, they can't even get him into the boat. Peter's got a call for his partners, the Zebedee boys, to come and give him a hand. Now, in my imagination, this is a hilarious scene. I picture these guys slipping and sliding back and forth across their boat, hollering at each other across the water, trying to get all these flip-flopping fish into the boat. I mean, Jesus had to be smiling, if not laughing out loud. But then suddenly, Peter realizes that this is not just another day at the office, and that Jesus is no run-of-the-mill rabbi. There is no explanation, no expectation that such a thing could have been happening to them. So they may not be in a synagogue. No one is reading the scripture or praying. But something spiritual is happening. This is a divine encounter. You see, because disruption gets our attention, because it stops us in our tracks, it sets us up for fresh encounters with God. He's often able to speak into our lives, to reveal himself to us in times of disruption that are not so accessible when things are just sailing along as they always have. I mentioned earlier this summer how many of my normal ways of relating to God and sensing his presence have been disrupted by this new normal. Now, I still have plenty of quiet time in the mornings. It's just the two of us at home, and I know you don't all enjoy that. But not being able to gather for worship, not being able to preach to a room full of people, it's been a real loss for me, and, and I'm sure for you as well. And I haven't been able to travel for ministry or for conferences. And those are often times that, that open me up and to God speaking into my life, to epiphanies. Having been able to visit with friends or with my kids or grandkids. And those are often moments in which I sense God's goodness and his presence. And so I've been mourning some of those losses in my life. But on the other side, I'm finding the Lord speaking into my life in ways that I hadn't always experienced before sitting in my backyard, alone 
quiet and still. That hasn't happened very much until the past few months. Listening to podcasts, which frankly I didn't do a lot of before, but suddenly these have become ways in which God has been speaking into my life and, and guiding my leadership. Even worshiping online. I'm surprised at how often Karen and I, watching services from our couch, how often I, I find myself moved to tears or, or, or turning my, my hands up towards the Lord or sensing God speaking into my life directly. I bumped into a Grace Chapel guy earlier this summer. Good guy, a friend of mine, great father and husband, loves his family, loves the church, loves Jesus. We spent some time catching up on things, and, and then he, he shared with me, he confessed, that, that he and the family haven't really been keeping up with services over the summer. Just kind of got lazy and distracted, he said. Now, I appreciated his honesty. Because I know he, he's not the only one. I know it's not the same to, to not be in the room where it happens. But friends, in the words of another New Testament writer, let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Even if we're doing it online. And all the more so given the times in which we are living. I believe the Lord has some important things to say to us, to show us, to do in us and through us. So, so let's keep showing up Sunday after Sunday. And as we make our way through the week, well, let's be looking and listening for God to meet us outside the box of what we used to call church. Well, those divine encounters often lead us to decisive moments. We have to respond somehow to what we're seeing and hearing. Let's pick up the story in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished to catch a fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Well, clearly, something's going on in Peter's heart. Was he, was he embarrassed in front of all these people? Was he suddenly feeling convicted about his lack of faith? Was he ashamed of his self-centeredness and his self-reliance? It was probably all these things together that, that brought him to his knees in, in front of Jesus. Go away from me, Lord, he says. I'm just a big mouth, small town, empty-handed fisherman. I don't think he really wanted Jesus to go away. I think he just couldn't believe that Jesus wanted anything to do with a man like him. It was a moment of repentance. Now we'll talk more about that word and, and decisive moments in a few weeks. But repentance is simply a turning away from our old ways of living and being 
and turning toward God's way of living and being, shown to us by Jesus. And whether it's a big turning or a small turning, it's always a decisive moment. Without getting too far ahead of ourselves, I'm guessing that we have decisive, decisive moments ahead of us in this coming year as individuals and as a congregation. What kind of Christ followers do we want to be? Now that our familiar ways of expressing our faith and serving God are, are no longer available to us, will we become distant and passive? Or will we lean into this moment with passion and resolve? What kind of church do we want to be? now that we can't gather for services and events the way we so often do? Will we hunker down and, and, and wait it out until we get back into our buildings again? Or will we move out into the community with creativity and compassion? What kind of citizens do we want to be in this election year? Will we be combative and self-righteous? Or will we be civil and respectful, even towards those we disagree with? Will we listen and learn when it comes to racial injustice? Or will we retreat to our familiar narratives and more comfortable conversations? of moments ahead of us this year because if the Lord is going to reform us spiritually it's going to involve some repentance well on the other side of that decisive moment we have the opportunity to do something different to take a step in a new direction try some new way of living and being now, in Simon Peter's case, it involved a pretty big step. Let's pick it up in verse 11. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus offered Peter an opportunity to do something different. And Peter said, Yes just as Sarah Brule charged us last Sunday. Now saying yes can be scary as Jesus acknowledges to Peter. Don't be afraid, he says. Peter's gonna be leaving behind the only life he's ever known, his livelihood, his identity, his hometown. It's never easy to do something different, to step outside of the box into unfamiliar territory. But Jesus is offering us something better, a way that's more meaningful, more satisfying, and almost always more exciting. Now, it doesn't always have to be as dramatic as what Peter did here. I don't recommend quitting your day job right now. But it usually means stepping out of something familiar and comfortable and into some new territory. So I don't know what doing something different might look like for you this year. 
It might just mean getting up 20 minutes earlier to spend some time with the Lord in reading and prayer. It might mean putting a filter or a safeguard on your computer to keep you from going places you don't want to go. It might mean planning a weekly date night or family game night. It might mean volunteering to serve a church or in the community. It might mean joining a group or leading a group. It might mean taking the Alpha class or inviting someone to join you at the Alpha class. Are you willing to follow Jesus into something new and different this year? Here at Grace, we're doing just about everything differently this year, as you've probably figured out by now. We have made a wholesale commitment to building a digital ministry that can not only serve us well through this season of pandemic, but, but on the other side in the new normal as well. We've already appointed Leah Knight Breton to be our pastor of digital ministry, building out a team and a strategy to lead us into this new area of ministry. And we've asked Scott Miller, our pastoral resident in Lexington, to also take on the role as pastor of our online campus, connecting with people and shepherding people who are joining us online initially or, or continually. Now, Lee and Scott have, have already embraced those new roles with passion and skill. They're eager to connect with you and even to have you join their team. If you have production skills, we would love to have you be a part of this new ministry. But the truth is, every, every one of our ministries is offering tremendous new content, high-quality online content to serve you and reach people in this, in this year. Kidstown is going to be offering a weekly kids at home. It'll be posted every Sunday morning and available for you and your kids to enjoy any time during the week. And then a monthly experience for families that we're calling Kids Town FX. Student ministry this next weekend is having their first ever virtual fall retreat. It's not too late to sign up. You can do it by the end of the day today. And then throughout the year, they'll be providing all kinds of ways for kids and leaders to connect with each other and to engage and invite their friends online. Home groups, women's and men's groups, young adult groups, alpha, roots, bridge groups, celebrate recovery, grief share, cancer support. All these groups and ministries are going to be available online throughout the year. We even have a virtual membership class happening at the end of this month. If you feel like you're ready to take that step towards greater involvement with life here at Grace. So all this to say, we have a vision for new and better things this year. Inspiring worship, spiritual growth, community engagement, global partnership, racial healing, and ultimately for seeing more and more people come to faith in Jesus Christ and to find their place in his church. We are not sitting on our hands this year waiting till we can get back into the building. There is no going back. Remember, the, the, the box is on fire. And, and maybe it's the fire of God's Holy Spirit. So we can either follow Jesus into new and better ways of living and being his people 
or we can get caught up in that downward spiral fueled by our daily news feed. Now, if you'd like to hear more about our vision for the year, if you'd like to know how you could even be involved and be part of the team, I invite you to join us this afternoon for our virtual fall vision gathering. It's going to happen at 4 o'clock this afternoon. If you'd like to learn more, just check it out at uh, grace.org serve. Now, what does all this mean for re-entering our buildings? I know that many of us are, are concerned about that. Some of us are really eager to be back together again, knowing how important that is to our spiritual and relational and physical health and well-being. Others, I know, are feeling very concerned about that and are concerned about their own health and the health of those who are vulnerable around them. So it's, it's not a simple question, as we know from watching our school systems try to wrestle with this decision. A few of our groups have been gathering in person. Most of our groups, groups are taking time to do that. I do want you to know we are beginning to explore some scenarios by which we might offer in-person gatherings and services. We're, we're making improvements to our buildings right now. We're establishing some cleaning protocols, uh, aligning traffic flow, all in anticipation of being back together again. We're, we're listening to our medical personnel in the congregation and our, and our civic leaders. We're consulting with other churches. Know that we're being thoughtful and prayerful, but proactive as we begin to think about what it might look like to be back together again. So we don't have anything on the calendar yet, but we do expect to be communicating with you clearly throughout the fall through our e-news and our social media. So we encourage you to Keep us up to date, keep up to date that way, and to be praying for us as we make these important decisions. Believe me, we are eager to be back in our buildings together again. I mean, it's cool preaching out here on a, on a day like this, but no matter how funny my jokes are, I don't hear anyone laughing. So our crew gives me a thumbs up once in a while to let me know that at least I'm trying, but hey, we'd much rather be together. At the same time, we dare not miss whatever reforming the Lord might want to do in our hearts and our homes and our church this year. So that leads to our fifth and final movement in this upward spiral, discovering life. Following Jesus always leads to new and better things. Not always easier things, but new and better things. Peter had no idea where this was going to lead. But in the years to come, Peter would see and experience things no human being has ever seen or experienced. He was going to feed the hungry. He was going to heal the sick. He was going to walk on water, witness the resurrection, preach to great crowds of people, stand up to imperial Rome, and ultimately launch a spiritual movement that would change the course of human history and that 2,000 years later would still be telling his story. We'll experience some of those moments as we work our way through Luke and Acts this year. And I believe that God has new and better things in store for us as well this year. Not just for our church, but for you personally. There's an interesting little detail that we skipped over in this story. And to be honest with you, I never noticed it till this time around. Luke tells us there were two boats 
on shore that day. And Jesus chose the one belonging to Simon Peter. You see, the mission of Jesus is global, encompasses all people everywhere. But the call of Jesus is personal, and it begins with you. I believe Jesus has a vision for your life this year. And it's way better than anything you could imagine on your own. But discovering that vision is probably going to mean stepping out of some boxes you might be stuck in and stepping into new and unfamiliar territory. So let's all, together and individually, lean into this great disruption. Let's follow Jesus outward and upward to whatever he has in store for us this year. As we thought about this Sunday, it occurred to us that the best way to share our vision for the year is to celebrate some baptisms, to hear and meet some people who, whose lives were disrupted in one way or another, who had an encounter with God, who came to decisive moments of repentance, who have decided to follow Jesus and now are discovering life with God for the good of the world. So in just a moment, we're going to finish our service with some time of worship and, and baptism as Pastor Ruthie leads us in some socially distant baptisms. But first, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this great day and for the vision you have for our lives and our church this year. We pray, Lord, that in this moment, you might speak to each person listening today. That we would know the steps you would have us to take as we seek and follow you. And by your spirit, may you help us to do that. And Lord, even as we have so much to look forward to as a church, we realize there are many who are in need in our country and our world right now. We pray, Lord, for those who are sick and hungry and out of work due to this pandemic. We pray for firefighters on the West Coast and for people who have lost homes and businesses. We pray, Lord, for the black community in our country as they grieve losses and cry for justice. We pray for government leaders and for police officers that you might grant wisdom and courage to do what is good and right. And we pray for your church, Lord, that we, your people, would be a force for healing and help and hope in the world today. And now we pray for these being baptized, Lord. We thank you for bringing them to a moment of decision, leading them to yourself, we pray that you would bless them and make this moment meaningful for them as it is for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.